Welcome to Big Blend Radio, where we celebrate variety and how it adds spice to quality of life. So welcome, everybody, to our Big Blend Radio Second Wednesday Books and Authors Show with our friends over at Books Forward. Today, we're uh, really excited to welcome author Kendra Petty. Uh, She's going to give us a glimpse into her incredible life story. And I say it's incredible. It is. It's actually pretty darn crazy. But there's a lot of hope and resilience to it. Uh, Her memoir about her life is called I Can't Believe I'm Not Dead, Escaping an Abuse, a Cult, Attempted Murder, and Other Insanities. It's out now, and you can go right to her website to get it and learn more. Go to KendraPettyOfficial.com. So welcome, Kendra. How are you? I'm great, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here because you've got a crazy story. Right. And it's a, in so many different ways. And, you know, sometimes when you have all these things happen, physical, emotional abuse, losing loved ones, uh, cults, let's talk about that mafia style kind of life or death situations. There's moments where you can go, I don't like, what's the point? Right. right? And you have to kind of realize like you still belong here, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's weird because you can either, I mean, don't you go through all those different parts of your your psyche of like pity party because you kind of have to let off go, but you can't have a pity party for long, it, depending on the circumstance, right? Those Absolutely. different emotions. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of emotions. But, you know, I've always been a big, big believer in not getting stuck. Uh, I think so many people are survivors and they go through trauma and they go through tragedy and they get you know, PTSD and they get stuck in that. And I've always tried to never get stuck, never uh, sit in anger or blame or woe is me. You know, that's the first step really in moving beyond any trauma or tragedy and moving out of, you know, moving into healing. In in your beginning of your book, you talk about um, taking personal responsibility as an adult, right? Mm -hmm. But even if you're a child, when you were a child, your mom was mentally ill and, um, you know, you've got to think back to, I, I have a friend who has a mom, same kind of thing. And um, I don't think we even understood what mentally ill was as teenagers at that time. Right. And the doctors were kind of working on it, but like one moment she's got like a butcher's knife at us. And we're like, Holy yep. crap. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's like, you don't understand all that stuff, but it is abusive to the child, regardless of what the parent is going through. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and- you know, mental illness is, I mean, it's very sad. And, you know, thank goodness today there's much more education and knowledge around it. But, you know, when I was young, there really, and living in a small town in Oklahoma, there, there was no real mental care. Uh, and we were living, I grew up in a cult that my mother and her husband started, a religious cult, and we weren't allowed to go to the doctor because they believed God would heal us. So even if there was care, my mother would not have uh, sought it because she believed God would heal her. There's still groups out there doing that, which is freaky. And I want to go rescue everybody out of them, but yep. to be able to get out, this is this, this, the religious cult thing is it's creepy and scary because, you know, how do you get out of that as a child to move forward to your own belief system of knowing there's so much more. I, I think now with the internet, I think there's um, some groups out there that we are, are pretty famous that people know about, and I don't need to name them, but I could, and I <laughs> might, um, yeah. but we all know who I'm talking about. Um, yes, we do. I think 
thank God, you know, as much as we all, you know, whine about Google and all of that stuff, I think having the internet and, and all these tools allows kids to, you know, thank God for libraries, quite frankly, because they at least maybe be able to sneak in and get this information in from school mm-hmm. if, if they're able to get away um, to realize that there's something beyond what's going on at home. For you, what was that turning point of understanding there's more and um, beyond because they they try to brainwash you basically. Oh, absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. I, we were totally brainwashed and completely controlled. We were cut off from the real world. We weren't allowed to associate with people outside the church. We went to a Christian school, uh, and then when we weren't in school, we were always in church or we were at home having Bible study and reading the Bible. But my parents, uh, my mom, and my stepdad's interpretation of the Bible uh, was was just very bizarre, and a lot of it was focused on the Old Testament, uh, and so that their religion paved the way for more abuse, uh, physical abuse in the name of God, mental and verbal Mm. abuse in the name of God. And also the abuse that we weren't allowed to get medical care uh, because they believed God would heal us. So, you know, for me, just, I I didn't realize that the rest of the world didn't live in an abusive situation. I, I knew it wasn't right. And it was very physically painful. And every day was, you know, 911, hair on fire with my mother. It was every day she was, you didn't know when she was going to explode, but you knew, you knew it would happen. And it was just miserable, but you just get so caught up in that, you know, in being abused and, you know, it really just warps your mind and you get, as a child, I just got stuck in it. And so I didn't want to rock the boat uh, and, Mm -hmm. you know, get, get beat more. So I just went along with this religion and the Bible and the cult. Uh, But when I was, 17, I went to Haiti in the West Indies and um, spent a summer doing missionary work. And I got to know a lot of people, a lot of people my age or a little older, and realized that not everybody was living in, in this insane life. And, you know, it was a whole summer of not getting beat and not having to deal with my mother. And it was very eye opening. And so when I got mm. back and started my senior year of high school, I I knew that I had to find a path out. I knew that I had to find a way out, even though, you know, I only had one more year and I was going to go to college. And, uh, but in the middle of my senior year, I left under uh, terrible circumstances. I mean, my, my mother was beating me in, to an inch of my life and I got up and ran out of the house and kept running and never let, never looked back and never went back. And I moved in with my dad for the um, last half of my senior year. And then I eventually moved to New York city after high school and, uh, worked worked my way through college and started my career. So I never really looked back. But you, but you are right. It's it's hard mentally to unwind from that. So I spent many years thinking I needed to find a church or reading the Bible uh, to figure out because I I'm gay and I I came out in New York City in my tw- early twenties and I really had a hard time for a while yeah. rectifying that. And you know I would read the Bible. My girlfriend would read it with me. She was raised Catholic and, you know, just trying to understand it. And I finally just realized this is ridiculous. Like I'm not going to go to hell. This is how I was born. This is who I am. Uh, I didn't create this. And as I've gotten older, I've really moved away from religion and the Bible. And, you know, I have a very different view now on the Bible. Uh, Yeah, I bet. I was going to ask you about that. I was like, okay, I know. And and what's sad is, you know, for those who are believers and, and, you know, for them, it's, hard to like you know it's it's like 
what your parents did is ruining it for those who are believers, you know, right. and right. who are Christian or, you know, different beliefs, really, you know, Hindu, you know, whatever, you know, it's, um, it's a belief system. But when you mm-hmm. push your belief system, I was very lucky in that, you know, I was raised to, I went to all kinds of churches because in boarding school, you had to like, I went to one year in boarding school in South Africa. And they, you, if you go, you have to go to, to church. And we had 50 churches wow. in one tiny historic town uh-huh. and, and the military base and schools and one of the wildest, most liberal colleges you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I kept, I, I, I was in permanent detention and I, I just kept walking out and I was like, well, I'm in detention. Who cares? Right. And I would go, I was, I was playing pool with guys back in the, nothing bad, but like I was, I was doing whatever, you know, nothing bad sexually or anything. Just, I wanted freedom because I was used to freedom from travel and, and things like that. And, and, and having, um, it was a really close society, very close minded and, and eventually, you know, myself, and some of my friends, we all left at the same time because it was a very creepy uh, setup of that school. It was really mm. messed up. And yeah. um, we all left. In fact, my friend, my best friend's father basically took the principal and shoved him up against the wall over this stuff that wow. was going on there. Mm. Anyway, but but that belief system was I was lucky because I went to I thought, well, if I'm going to go, I'm going to a different church each day or each Sunday. And I learned, you know when I wasn't hiding from it and doing smoking cigarettes and playing, playing pool, pool. the army guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the army guys, you know, it was like, you know, whatever, but um, you know, then you just get back in line with everybody else and no one knows, but except for you did stink, but, um, That's but, funny. The, but you learned these different religions and, you know, and, and I remember people in all these big robes. I'm like, what the hell are you doing in these robes? Like, right. what is that? You know? So <laughs> it was just, you know, you're flinging things around and I'm like, what is this a dance? You know, and, and I'm not knocking the religion, anybody, please. It, it's not, but I mean, I, this is a kid's mentality too. Yeah. Um, but I still a question what they were doing, but um, it it is it is a very hard thing because it's what you are raised. It is like as a kid, you're raised with morals and certain things. And luckily, I was raised to have this, you know, very open um, questioning m- mentality, which does get me in trouble. But it is my choice to to either follow or not. Um, I I it's really hard to imagine having that, you know, like that being raised that way where you know this is how things are in the world that's it's kind of like that jim carrey movie you know where it was in the bubble or something oh yeah you know yeah i know i know the movie you're talking about yeah yeah it it was you know and we weren't allowed to watch tv listen to the radio read the newspaper read magazines we were literally just sequestered into just god and the bible and religion and we couldn't i couldn't we couldn't date none of that we couldn't go to friends houses finally in my senior year i started uh, going to two of my best friends houses and of course when i moved in with my dad i could you know basically do whatever i wanted my dad was mm-hmm. very cool and very laid back in that manner but uh for the first 3 months that i lived with my father i just watched tv when i wasn't in school i was just i was so fascinated yeah like what is this I spent yeah 3 months watching tv and finally after 3 months i was like what this what am i doing like it's such a waste of time i i was very athletic and i played a lot of sports and loved to be outside so uh, and, to, and to this day, I'm not a big TV watcher. I'll, I'll watch a movie here or there, but I'm not mm-hmm. a huge TV watcher. Well, you know, I, I just, you know, to be able to formulate 
and and I and I say this because you know for for those listening that are in different circumstances, you can be an adult and be trapped in your own uh, issues where your whoever's surrounding you could be trapping you, and then you you start that tread water thing. And I think that's what I wanted to touch on is there's a tread water and do you take baby steps? Do you take the grand leap of faith? You know, to get out of a situation is very difficult. I watch people all the time. It's like, oh, well, so-and-so is, you know, they're abused and, you know, they'll just go right back to him. But you don't know what the the, the tie-in, you don't know how far the claws are that's of right. someone holding someone captive. That's right. You never know. And mm-hmm. So everyone has their time and sometimes you have to buy time um, because it is often life or death. What's interesting to me is, um, you know, for you going from this very religious background and yeah, you're going to hell for being gay. How dare you? But then you move forward from that and then you get married and that wasn't exactly the best situation either. So does that, it's weird. We repeat things. Yep. We definitely do. I, you know, it's not, it's, it's not as though I sought out and I don't know that anybody intentionally seeks these situations out, but I certainly didn't seek out uh, to get married to a woman that was extremely physically abusive. She had a, a, a hidden drug hab- habit uh, and was an alcoholic and, uh, but I loved her very, very much. And she had a daughter uh, and I loved my stepdaughter very, very much, but I realized, you know, it took me a, a little bit to realize that I had gotten myself back into a situation exactly, almost exactly like uh, as the the one that I grew up in, you know, with my mother and being very abusive. And my wife, you know, when she was high or, or drunk, she was very physically abusive and she broke my bones on a number of oh occasions. I have scars all over my body from her abuse. Um, it, it was, I had to have her arrested. I would have to fly home in the middle of the night on a business trip to find her and my daughter. Cause I couldn't get a hold of them and didn't know where they were. So I knew she was out, you know, getting high or whatever. And I was worried about my stepdaughter, but, uh, it, it, you know, I realized that I needed to get out of that marriage. Uh, but it took me, you know, I was in it six, six years I was with her and it took me a long time to unwind from that. And I was devastated to lose, <clears throat> to lose my family, lose my wife and my, my daughter. It was very devastating to me. Uh, but it is, I think when you grow up in, in trauma and you grow up in a, in an abusive home and all the, there's a lot of other trauma that I went through growing up, not just my mother, uh, you have a, a much higher tolerance level for BS and for bad situations. And, you know, for me, I have such a high tolerance level for not good situations and I also, for many years, had a lack of boundaries uh, mm-hmm. and didn't adhere to red flags that I would see. You know, I would ignore them. Uh, and, you know, all of that is conditioning of growing up in an abusive home. Uh, and and so it did take me time to to break free from that. But then from there, I went right into a, another terrible situation because of my lack of boundaries and, and red flags. And that's the situation of, of my work. Uh, and what mm-hmm. happened to me there. So I feel like, you know, it took me decades to to learn how to set boundaries and walk away from toxic situations, but I, I feel like I'm much, I'm much better at it now. Well, I know you, you worked with some people that you basically, we could say is like the mafia, you know, and, and there's, I call them, you know, there's gangs around the world, right? There's gangs, there's mm-hmm. cults. They're all the same to me in different, some of it, like when people talk about emotional abuse, I find emotional abuse almost worse than physical abuse. There's, mm-hmm. um, and you, we, and, and really all of it is uh, depending on how the person who's the victim taking it, you know, right. it, it, some people, you know, 
physical abuse is worse. Everyone's individually different. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes people get into a victim game of who, which is, is sad. That's yes. probably first I wanted to say sickening, but it's people go through it as part of going through processes, right? Yeah. Um, everybody's at a different stage of however they're healing of whatever they're healing. Cause life, no matter what, I don't care who you are. No one's it. It ain't all a bed of roses. And that's why there's thorns on roses to remind us about that. And, you know, red roses are often red flags. But, you know, going through these different situations, part of it is possibly understanding that you've dealt through that. So it's, it's, you, you, you almost become this um, thick skinned superhero to get through situations. So when you see another thing, it's like, oh, yeah, life is like that. So who, who cares? You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because I've handled this, this, this before I can do anything. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's made me more empathetic for sure. But I thank goodness I was born with just this incredible internal uh, strength, just very strong will. Uh, you know, not everyone's born with that. So I was mm-hmm. very, very fortunate to be born with that kind of inner inner strength. Uh, and then I think, you know, just this continuous cycle of trauma and tragedy that continued to happen to me. Uh, I, it, it just made me stronger, definitely made me mm. stronger, but it's given me the ability. And, you know, that's why I, I wrote the book. Well, I wrote the book for me and I used a ghostwriter. And when I first hired her, I told her I did not want to publish this. I just need to document my insane life. It's mm-hmm. been crazy and it's been so much trauma and so much tragedy. And as we moved through it over the three years that it took us to write it, she was really pushing me to publish it. She's a published author herself. Uh, and used to work for two of the big five publishing houses mm-hmm. as a publisher. So she knew her stuff and she was like, you have to publish this. And I, I pushed back for several years and finally I said, okay, I, I will consider it. And I finally just decided there's gotta be a reason why I am still alive. I have escaped death on so many occasions, more than what's in the book. Uh, there's got to be a reason why I'm still alive. And I, I felt like maybe it's to share my story and maybe my story mm-hmm. can help other people in similar situations uh, and and help them learn to not just survive, but learn to thrive in life. Mm. When you were doing this process, and and I really appreciate your honesty about it, ghostwriters. Ghostwriters are fantastic. Majority of these big biographies and memoirs are ghostwritten. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, and um, it doesn't. It's not cheating. I want people no. to know that yeah. it's about having someone craft the story so that we can ingest it, and in the way that you know that the way it gets through to us, right? And the storytelling right. is. I think probably one of the biggest ways of learning is yes. storytelling is yes. through stories and personal stories. That's how we identify if it's all Hollywood fiction, how do you really know? You know what I mean? You don't, it, this is, this is the real stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, when you were going through this process, because then in a weird way, it's almost like therapy, right? So this is. is a therapeutic 100%, process. hundred percent. Yeah. I didn't even realize how therapeutic it would be. It was very hard. I mean, three years of, having to talk about all the things I went through. And I, I never, you know, we, it, growing up, we were not allowed to uh, show emotion. We had to be very even killed, even though my mother was more emotional, you know, for all of us, she represented uh, just an extreme amount of emotion, but we had to be deadpanned, no, no emotion. And we did not talk about anything other than school and the Bible and God. And so I didn't oh, grow up talking about things. And so as an adult, 
I didn't talk about the things I went through. And I have friends that I've been friends with for 25, 30 years. They read the book and they were like, oh my God, like, how did I not know any of this about yeah, you? Yeah. You're, you're like one of my best friends. And I said, well, I just don't talk about it. So having to talk about it with Jessica, my ghostwriter, because we would, you know, we would have sessions on the weekends uh, and in the evenings where she, I would just talk and I would just share my stories and the things that I had been through and she would record it. And then she would have it uh, trans transferred, you know, into, right. into writing. And then she would put it in a methodical order. But I read and reread this book uh, so many times. I talked about it and then I had to read it and edit it and re-edit it. I was very involved in the editing process and uh, it was extremely painful. There were some Saturdays where I had to go, you know, Saturday afternoon. It was just so emotional and hard. I had to go make a cocktail and get through the rest of the, the day. I'm with you. Yeah, because it is, well, I talk, you know, I've, I've had things happen in my life and, you know, worked and worked and worked on it. And then, you know, we'll do an interview or something. And I remember a few, few interviews coming out on some things and going, oh my God, now I have to, like, I, you remember everything. So yeah. when, it, when you, your memory, um, you start to remember things and you, question your your memory Mm -hmm. and and but then you relive it Mm -hmm. and so I I just want to say thank you for writing everything and putting your story out there because I know that pain is so hard to keep reliving and reliving and reliving and reliving because it 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 makes those things bigger in a way right and you can't live with it stuffed away either because Mm -hmm. that's not healthy and there's this weird balance but through this process, do you see that when when you are a survivor and then you also have, you know, uh, survival of cancer, um, you know, been through you've been through a ton um, as you're going through things, do you realize how observant you are, how being observant creates a survival system? it's a communication system. It's a knowing what to do, when, how to tread one water, when to tread, when to jump, when to yeah. attack, when to, when, what to do. Has that in, in a, I, this sounds weird, but in a weird way, it becomes this new skill being observant mm-hmm. through really negative situations. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, just the amount that I've grown, even in the last five years, you know, before five years ago, I was really just in survival mode my whole life, just, you know, trying to survive, build a career, be successful. I wanted to make a lot of money. You know, that was my focus. I didn't necessarily ever want to get married and have kids. I ended up getting married and and had a stepdaughter and, and then I really embraced it uh, and then lost it. So that was a, a huge lesson mm. for me. But uh, for so many years, I was just in survival mode and just focusing on climbing the corporate ladder and and surviving, living, because when this organized crime family tried to kill me, it led to, uh, they they weren't, they weren't successful, but it led to so many um, illnesses in my body, just physical Mm -hmm. ailments. I I developed Graves disease and then later cancer because they they poisoned me for quite some time, which made me very, very ill. So the ramifications of being poisoned and what it did to my body and then leading to Graves disease and then leading to cancer and what chemo did to my body I, I call it ch- chasing the pain. It was, you know, yeah, really. 15 years of just trying to stay physically healthy and functional. And, you know, I, I work at a really high level in terms of the amount of work that I do and the speed, the speed of which I do things. And uh, so I carry a lot and I'm always very busy. And my friends are like, how, how do you go 
so much. And I, again, I think it just goes back to the inner strength that I was born with and just learning after each trauma that I went through, learning how to pull myself out of it and move forward. And the last five years, particularly when I hit a, a wall five years ago and said, this has got to stop. I, I have got to live in peace. I've got to stop living in fear because I really shut down after the attempted murder. And I didn't let people in my house for many, many yep. years. I, I shut down my social media media. I yep. fear. I was scared that they were going to come back and, you know, they weren't successful mm-hmm. in killing me, but they were successful in killing one of the CEOs. So I was, I was worried and, um, and scared for my life. So about five mm-hmm. years ago, I hit that wall and said, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm, I, I'm always a very social person, but I hadn't made friends. I, I just lived it, you know, worked and lived at home and, and, and lived in fear and traveled a lot for work, but, and I would date, but always long distance. No, never, but anybody in my town. So I would, don't, don't come to my house. I'll come right, to yours. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. yeah, it's been the last five years has just been an incredible path of healing. And the book was, was an important part of that healing for sure. Well, I appreciate it, you know, because I think, you know, everyone goes through some kind of something and, um, it, yeah. big, small, you know, and like yeah. I said, everyone's pain is different from everybody. You know, we all just, we all are different. Yeah. Each person is different. And the other thing too, when you come from a family background like that and, and, um, I, I, your brother was a, uh, it was a big deal for you in your life. Your your best friend and biggest, you know, biggest, um, biggest trauma I went through biggest, most life changing thing that I went through was the death of my brother. Mm-hmm. He was my best friend. And that was, if there's anything in my life that I could change, I would change that day. Yeah. That, you know, I, I was sharing before we recorded, you know, we had to get out of South Africa in a very crazy way. And, and I know that, I mean, they would call my mom and tell her where I was and, you know, things it was crazy it was crazy but anyway we get over here and i think we were it was a couple years back in this country and um my mom's brother and she comes from a very abusive family incredibly insane mm-hmm. just crazy um and her brother and her they were the pair out of the six kids these two they had each other's back through all the abuse and and they would get it the most because they were on the top three of, you know, being elder in mm-hmm. the family. And, and um, but it was traumatizing to the other kids. They were mm-hmm. watching it. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so there's all that weird. It's just a sick mess, you know. Yeah. And um, her brother died while we were here. Or oh. he, he, they were close, but he was murdered. And oh, we found God. out on TV. It was like, oh, what the hell? That's and it was probably, you know when you lose someone like that, like your brother, that's such a rock in your life where you feel like, okay, we can get through things together. Mm -hmm. We've Mm -hmm. got each other's back. Mm -hmm. It's very hard when something, when life takes the person who's got your back away. Like in the beginning, you would talk about you guys, you know, playing on the chair and twirling around Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, with the masking tape and knowing you don't even have to talk to know what to do. That's what I was talking about, that awareness, Mm -hmm. the observance, where you can have that communication that is so deep and raw that no one, you know what I mean? It's um, so pure. Uh, And my mom and I have that where we can, we can look at each other. We don't even have to look. I I can feel her waves in a room. That's beautiful. It's time to go, you know? Um, So it it is, it is beautiful and lucky. Um, And, but when you lose that, that's a, then I understand her pain. I mean, she was in bed for like a while. Like it was, it was a, it was shattering. So I, I, 
I feel, you know, for you on that with, with your brother, because and from there you have to now like, you know, it, it makes it very difficult to trust again. Sure. Even, yeah. You know, a hundred percent. It, it was a, it was probably the most life changing, not probably, it was the most life changing event that I went through. And I went through a lot, mm-hmm. but my brother was, he was almost two years older than me and he was my protector. You know, we were always together. We went everywhere together and he died protecting me. He died trying to make sure that I was safe. And, you know, from there I developed obviously survivor's guilt. I immediately mm-hmm. developed horrible night terrors that have lasted a lifetime through my healing in the last five years. They definitely got a lot better, but, but, you know, I still, I still have them, but the crazy night terrors where I'd run out of my home or my hotel room in the middle of the night asleep, running from whatever's trying to kill me. Uh, And then, but I also uh, lived in guilt and shame my entire life. I blamed myself for my, for my brother's death and, and then just not having him in my life. But, but further to that, it made my already, crazy mom, my already insane mom go even matter. Uh, it, it created an environment of blame, uh, for his death that she took out on me. And which is why her physical abuse was focused almost solely on me and not the other three kids. She remarried mm-hmm. and I inherited two stepsisters and then my younger brother. Uh, but her physical abuse was almost solely directed to me and it, it made my father leave us. So, you know, I lost my brother and then I lost my family. Uh, and I, my whole life, I blamed myself. I, and, and so working through that has been, you know, th- th- that's been a lot to, to unpack, if you will. Uh, but yeah. it's, you know, I'm, I'm definitely getting there. I'm, I'm, I'm much better than I, where I was five years ago. Well, sometimes I think you have to do other things like, you know, I know that you've worked really, you know, hard in your professional life you know, the corporate world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, you know, part of that was, you know, Hey, we're going to try and kill you too. That, that, that's yeah. not a helpful part of it. Right. Um, but, but being good at a career helps you focus on it. It is it, part, it's part of moving forward, Absolutely. right? It's like you're busy and not, that's why I was saying at the beginning that I hate, I should never use the term pity party, but it is, you either sit and wallow in it. You're allowed to have a moment because you need to let it out, but in survival, you can't stay there. You can't. Yep. Yep. You yep. have to move forward and we do it in different ways. And some people, it becomes substance abuse. Many people, yeah. it becomes some other form of abuse and that cycle will continue. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so sad to me about all of these kinds of uh, situations in life. It, it like one person, you know, Nancy and I were talking about it. We have a friend, uh, this is a whole other story, but uh, I can't, I was talking to her last night. I said, can you believe this one person screwed up this many lives? Mm. And it's still going. Just wow. one abusive son of a, you know what, mm-hmm. did this, this, this. And to this day, we're talking almost 30 years later, that cycle has just blown and blown and blown oh, and blown in certain family members who don't realize And I'm going, hey, dudes, this is what's going on. Right. I can see this is the cycle, but no one wants to hear the reality of it because they're not in a place to hear it because now they're adult. Yeah. But they're becoming that. Mm-hmm. It's very and creepy. You got to You got to stop the cycle. I mean, you absolutely have to stop the cycle. And I feel, you know, I, I definitely did that. I stopped the cycle of abuse. I, 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 did, um, not, I did not succumb to any addictions. You know, I, I guess if you oh, maybe I was a workaholic, but that was the only holic I was. It's a healthy that's a healthy thing <laughs> because you're learning all the time and you're putting right. yourself in different situations and challenges with 
And when you go through challenges, even if you fall down, it teaches you to get back up again, right? And that's all in your stories. You just keep getting back up, you know, yes. yeah. and and I really appreciate that. And I want people to understand, like, you can get back up. You There is Absolutely. always a way out. Sometimes it's not immediate, but have that inner strength to move forward. Have hope. It doesn't. And don't think that if a bunch of crap keeps happening, that it's the end of your life. Right. You know? Yeah, don't well, get stuck. Could be. I mean, that's, you know what I mean? It could be, but like if you, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it, it could be, but yeah. it, it might not be. But, it, you know, in the meantime, I, my message is always do not get stuck, but also don't get stuck in self-pity. You know, I got stuck in living in fear. Uh, I did let myself get stuck after the attempted murder. And I, for many, many years, I lived in fear. And mm-hmm. um, again, you know, publishing this book and writing about that situation has helped shake some of that fear off. And, and, you know, I, I, through my healing process, I learned that I needed to let my walls down and let people back in and try to learn to trust and try to learn to love again, because love is so important, you know, loving my friends, loving my family, um, loving the one I'm, you know, my partner, if I'm with a partner. So, uh, yeah. And, and a good belly laugh, man. I don't care how yes. big or small a belly is, yes. you know, that is priceless because it you're is. That, that is that like is, there's certain things in life that a good really laugh is, is everything. Laughter <laughs> and humor is so important. My dad's very funny. My brother's very funny. I used to be very funny, but through all that I went through, I really lost my humor. So I'm trying to get it back. But I oh, that just is, use sarcasm. Yeah. Sarcasm. <laughs> Listen, I'm so I'm so sick of all these comedians being shut down everywhere. And I'm like, come on, let it out because we right. all need to have some right. of that. Right. You know that edge. You know. You know most comedians are sensitive and gone through hell and back. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and, you know, they're just venting it out. And we all need a good vent. I mean, yes. can, we, can we just bring George Carlin back? I don't know. But <laughs> I'll get in trouble again. But yeah. I, I, want, I wanted to just before you go ask you this, because we're in a very interesting business environment of the Me Too movement. And I just actually did a, a recently a, an interview with an attorney that's on our show every month about the bro culture. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we were talking about that. And I said, well, you know, can the bro culture actually affect gay people in the workplace he's like holy crap we're in california we're not that bad i'm like well (laughs) um you know so i was just thinking that you know the the culture is changing but with everything you've been through in business can you sit and look at someone and know oh you're that way Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. know how to handle it from there from past experiences like understand if someone's a leader and something or if someone's trying to manipulate, because I think that's the worst to me is yeah. the manipulation. Manipulators. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, I'm a very good reader of people. Uh, it's, I think it was something I was born with and I've really honed that. Uh, but I'm a, a really good reader of energy and people. And in business, I have definitely learned, I call it tap dancing. I've definitely learned um, how to tap dance with different personalities to make sure that, you know, you're catering to whoever, who, whatever personality that is. But I have to tell you, the bro culture, I, I work in a almost a completely male dominated industry. And uh, I have worked in 180 cities, managed 180 cities in my career in different regions and territories and companies that I've run. And uh, the, the worst place that I saw the bro culture, culture was in Southern California. It was wow, and he's in Southern California. Yeah, yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it was, it was insane. Uh, and- yeah, because I said to him, I, I mean, I've gone through some of that in this country, and I said, you know, 
well, there's, you know, you'll have a bunch of guys all whispering in the corner. He goes, oh my God, I never thought about it. It does happen. It's true. Oh, you know? Yeah. And, and then I said, well, you know, but what about if you are a gay man? That's what I was getting to. It's like, you know, for a gay man and then there's bro culture in the same office. How is that? You know, he says, yeah. well, most people are pretty open here now. I said, but that wasn't, and it's not all, it just depends. Not everyone's coming out as they want to, right. when they want to, right. you know? I didn't um, for and- years. For years, I didn't share my personal life uh, at work unless it was just a couple of close friends, but because I was too afraid of the backlash. Yeah. Because I did work for an all male dominated company and, you know, a, a lesbian. I hate that. It was hard enough to be a woman, add to it being a lesbian, just no fun. But I just kept at it. You know, I kept my head down and I kept going and I kept climbing that ladder and I refused to, I refused to back, get back down. Yeah. I, 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 no, <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I think Nancy and I've always just been like not good at working for anybody else. Cause we just mm-hmm. say like, no. Right. right. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> just... I mean, listen, I, ha- I, I have to say yes to things that I don't want to say yes to. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think that's just the way it is. In the that's well, world. yeah. So in, you in your same company, it's the same thing. If it's yeah. your own company, you still have to do things. You do. There's no such thing as going to work and not doing things you right. don't want to do. I mean, there's, yeah, clients or what, you know, from there. Oh, but, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it is, you know, but that bro culture is there. I mean, and, and especially if you're in sales too, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we've been on business meetings where older men have turned to Nancy and I and said, which one of you is the bullshitter? And I'm like the marketing person and, and I'm going, excuse me. I'm just <laughs> like telling you what we do. Like I'm not that, you know, it, it's just like, what, what did you say? Like what, you know, and that's nothing compared to corp. I know that's nothing compared to what you do in corporate land. Mm-hmm. Um, I can write I, a few, I could write a few books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think what I've should. seen and experienced. I think you really should because yeah. this situation is not over. It's right. not over. It's not it's even close to over. Yeah. No, uh, like what's going on for women across the country right now. It's yeah. not over. It's, we're, we're repeating a cycle. Talk about the, you know, the cycle is, is, you know, so, um, again, and that, that's the other thing I think, which is so important about your book right now with what's happening for women's rights. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very important because I feel like a lot of women are going to be trapped very soon, mm. if not already, yep. um, with what's happening. And um, I, I, it's a it's a very there's things out there in this country. And Nancy and I drive through everything in this country. We drive everywhere, and we go on those back roads and we see what's going on. Scary. We we live where we go to, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I I think it's very important that people understand they're not alone in this world of any kind of abuse. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. You're not alone in, you know, in cult cult land, they try to like get you into that, you know? Um, but I, I think that, well, I don't know. Anyway, I, I don't know if we're going to get better at it on the cult side, other than hoping the internet will help. Yes. I just hope. More, you know? more education, more education. Yeah. And, and more and books like yours. People, you know? people realizing that there's, more and better out there than whatever toxic situation you're in. There is a way out and there is a better life for you. It's going to take work, but it can be had. And you don't have to just survive in life. You can learn, you can, so many steps you can take to learn to heal yourself and learn to thrive 
in life. Yeah, as you said in the beginning of the book, you can thrive. And that's a thing, uh, you know, and you can always reinvent. You can always reinvent. You can go somewhere else, reinvent. You can do it. It's not, it's not poppycock. That's true. Not poppycock. I like it. I like it. That's a hell of a word I haven't used in years, but it's, it just feels good. I just, it's important because I think that's the power of memoir and biographies. These are real true life stories and you're living. A lot of these times you hear stories, it's only once someone's passed on right. and you wrote it while you're alive and thriving. So yes. this is perfect. So um, thank you so much for the inspiration for those um, who need it and, uh, and, and for really a hell of a good read. So oh, everyone, you. Kendra Petty official.com and the book is out now. So go get it. It again is called, I can't believe I'm not dead. Escaping Abuse, Occult, Attempted Murder, and Other Insanities. It's out now by Kendra Petty. We also want to thank our friends over at booksforward.com. Thank you so much, Kendra. Thank you, Lisa. This has been a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you letting me share share my story with you. You bet. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio. Keep up with our shows at bigblendradio.com.